Well, I pray the Blessed Mother that through her intercession I would be able to speak of such a great and holy mystery that we celebrate tonight. It is such an awesome thing to be able to speak about this, and uh, I am truly, really not up to it. I'm not worthy of it, but in any event, I do pray that Mary, through intercession, would help me be able to speak about such an amazing and profound mystery. The Immaculate Conception. It's important, first of all, to understand something that's a common misconception. Uh, amongst Catholics, let alone uh, non-Catholics. The Immaculate Conception, it doesn't have to do with the conception of, of Jesus in the womb of Mary. It has to do with the conception of Mary in the womb of her mother, St. Anne. So when we talk about the Immaculate Conception, it's the beginning of Mary's existence. It's her conception in the womb of her mother. Okay, so it doesn't have to do with Christ. That's a, that's a common kind of uh, misunderstanding I think many people have. And uh, this, uh, this great mystery, there's many different ways to sort of approach this mystery and uh, look at it, but I thought it would be important and helpful just to review the opening prayer of this Mass, because it really contains all the different truths uh, about this mystery right here um, in, one, in one short, powerful prayer. It says, O God, who by the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin prepared a worthy dwelling for your Son. Okay, so right there. What is the purpose of the Immaculate Conception? Why was Mary granted this amazing privilege to be without original sin, to be without actual sin, uh, even venial sin? Why was she granted this amazing privilege? To be sinless from the first moment of her conception. Well, so that there would be a worthy dwelling for Jesus Christ. If God is going to become man in the womb of a virgin, that virgin, it's only fitting, would be holy like him. Okay? Uh, so that, that really, it comes down to Mary's vocation as the mother of God. That's the purpose behind the Immaculate Conception. And then the prayer continues on. So we're praying, O God, who by the Immaculate Conception, so forth and so on, grant, O God, grant, we pray, that as you preserved her from every stain by virtue of the death of your Son, which you foresaw, so through her intercession, so, so let me stop right there. Second point. Another a very common misconception um, and I think this is something that's with our, our separated brothers and sisters uh, in, the, in the Protestant groups. They'll often say, well, wait a second. If Mary was without sin, then Jesus isn't her Savior. But Jesus is the Savior of everybody. So what's going on here? Okay, that doesn't make any sense. And uh, But what we see here is that Mary was preserved from sin by virtue of the death of Jesus. Okay, So, Jesus, so Mary does have a Savior. She's got the same Savior you and I have got, and that's Jesus. So, uh, you know, remember when Mary sings to the Lord in praise, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So God, through Christ, is Mary's Savior just as much to the exact 
extent that Jesus is our Savior as well. But the salvific action that took place, that was verified in Mary's life, was took place in, in a special and unique manner. It took place in, 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 right from the beginning of her existence. So what for us begins in baptism, and if we cooperate with God's grace, it unfolds over the course of our life. For Mary, it began at the very exist, uh, beginning of her existence, right from her conception. Okay, So it is just as much the case that Mary is saved by the blood of Jesus as we are saved by the blood of Jesus. And uh, it says in verse of the death of your son, which you foresaw. So even though Jesus hadn't died yet, from God's perspective, he sees everything from an eternal perspective. And so it was on account of the marriage that Jesus would earn the graces that he would earn on the cross, okay, that was yet to come. It's on virtue of that future sacrifice that Mary was given this privilege. And so then we go on now to the third part here. It says, okay, grant we pray that as you preserved Mary from every stain of sin, so through intercession we too may be cleansed and admitted to your presence. So we too might be cleansed. Okay? And this brings us to our second reading tonight from St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Paul says that in Jesus, each one of us is called, we have a vocation to be holy and without blemish. Now in the Latin Bible, that phrase without blemish is immaculate. Okay, it's a Latin word. It means without stain, without blemish. So we are called to be immaculate. What we are called to be, what we are striving through the grace of baptism to work out throughout the course of our lives, Mary was from the very instant of her first existence. So she is our perfect model. She is our paradigm of what we're called to be, of what we're heading for. Okay, we're, we're aiming for Mary. So she's a model. And it's going to be through her intercession that we can make it there. Um, what else can I say here? Let's draw our attention, I think, to the first reading from the book of Genesis. Uh, the mystery of the Immaculate Conception is revealed in the Bible. Okay, It's actually contained within the truth that Mary is full of grace. And we heard the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, full of, uh, Hail, full of grace. Okay, contained within that mystery of Mary's fullness of grace is her immaculate conception. But it's also revealed in the book of Genesis. We read from the <clears throat> chapter 3 of Genesis. And uh, the Lord says to the serpent, who is a symbol of the devil, he says, I will place enmity between you and the woman. Okay, between you, devil, and the woman, I'm going to place enmity. Now, the woman being spoken about there is the woman whose seed is destined to crush the head of the serpent, to destroy the devil. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus' mother is Mary, not Eve. So the woman being spoken about is not Eve. It's Mary. It's a prophecy of the Blessed Virgin Mary that was given to humankind from the beginning of human history, right at the origin of human history when that mysterious transgression took place 
that our first progenitors committed that affected all of human history. Right then and there, God promised us that he was going to send Mary and Jesus to redeem us from the devil, from the works of the devil. And then he goes on, he talks about, he says to the, he says to the serpent, he says, on your belly you shall go, and dirt shall you eat. Now, that is very symbolic, that has a mystical significance. The belly, the belly is a symbol of lower powers of our soul that don't always obey our reason and our conscience. So the devil's business is in the belly. Okay? That's how he misleads us. That's how he tempts us. Okay? It's when there's a diversion between our emotions and our feelings and our passions. They go one way and our conscience is saying, no, no, wrong way. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's the nature of temptation. Okay? And so the devil's business is in the belly. He's an expert on the belly. Okay? And then it says, dirt shall you eat all the days of your life. Now, that's Genesis 3. In Genesis 2, it says that the Lord God took of the dirt of the earth. It's the same word. It's Adama in Hebrew. He took of the dirt of the earth and he formed a man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Okay? So in the human person, there is a duality. We have the lower material element of who we are and we've got the higher element of our soul that's been breathed into us, created out of nothing by God. And infused into the conceived child in the womb of the mother. So you got both. We, we, we consist of body and soul. And the devil is an expert in the belly. He's an expert in matter. In the lower material part of the human person. The human person was meant to be an integral whole. That the body would be in obedience to the soul. And that our reason would lead and guide under God's revelation. And according to faith... And according to his commandments. But temptation happens when the lower material part of us kind of starts going this way and our conscience is going this way. And the devil feeds on that lower aspect of the human person. The material aspect of the human person. That's the nature of temptation. The devil does not have access to our intellect and to our will. Our will always remains free. But he can play with our emotions. He can play with our passions. Okay? It's kind of like you've got this, uh, the, the metaphor is that you have a, a coal. Think of a coal, a burning coal that's kind of died down. And it's still hot, but it's, it's just kind of laying dormant. And the devil comes by and he, he breathes on it and then inflames it. So that's how he's able to inflame our passions. Okay, and lead us down that path of temptation. But Mary, the Immaculate One, who was with not only without sin from the beginning of her existence, but without the effects of sin, without that inclination to sin, without that coal, the coal of sin. She never had that. When the devil came to Mary and went, he said, what's going on? doesn't work with this lady. I can't tempt her. What's going on? She's too strong for me. Oh, no. Could this be the woman who was prophesied to come? To be the one that was going to be my downfall? And he is afraid of Mary. Is that pathetic? To be afraid of a 95-pound, 14-year-old girl? It's because she's holy. And the devil fears holiness. And so, my brothers and sisters, in any temptation, whether it be for lust or anger 
or envy or revenge or hatred, whatever it might be, we turn to Mary, the Immaculate One, and through her great and powerful intercession, we can overcome the temptations of the devil. And as St. Paul says, we can become like her, holy and without blemish before God in love for eternity. Through her prayers, with her help, by her example, we can do it.